0: Hello and welcome to Comic Book Herald's Creanitators. I'm Dave Yusin, founder and editor-in-chief of ComicBookHerald.com. Today on Creanitators, I'm very excited to be joined by a guest. You might know her as the artist of works like November, the new Love Everlasting Substack Comics launch with Tom King, works like Unstoppable Wasp for Marvel Comics. It's Elsa Chartier. Elsa, how are you doing today?
1: I am doing very good. Thank you.
0: Yeah. Thank you for joining. I I definitely, I've been wanting to talk to you for a while because I really loved November. Uh, It was absolutely fantastic. It was one of our favorite (laughs) books on Comic Book Herald uh, for both 2020 and 2021. Um, But then of course, you know, when we, yeah, absolutely. And then when we connected, you were like, Hey, I have a big thing coming. Um, Let's wait. Right. And, and Mm -hmm. we saw, you know, there was an announcement that you were going to be doing a creator own work with Tom King. There was a lot of, suspicion at the time that, okay, there might be a cool Image Comics launch here or whatever Mm -hmm. publisher it might be. And then the drop came this past week. Um, You released the comic for free, Love Everlasting, as part of your Substack Comics launch, which was very exciting. I read the first issue. It's very good. Uh, (laughs) And I think people (laughs) should check it out. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What is your favorite part of working on Love Everlasting? Let's start there.
1: Oh, wow. Uh... That's uh interesting. Well first of all, Tom scripts are just brilliant and for mm-hmm. me for me it it always it always come down comes down to scripts. You know, I can draw I don't have any favorite thing that I like to draw, but I like to draw stories that are that I have meaning, that that move me in, 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 in different ways. But Tom script just I connect it with them. And of course then it's a pleasure to draw. You wake up every morning and you know that you're gonna have uh you know what's a good way to to say this there's some meat if that makes sense you know sure, yeah I, I'm, I'm i'm drawing um i'm drawing a story that has a meaning within the history of comic books because you might you know uh, mention it at some point because we're referencing of, uh romance comics, the tradition that was uh, lost but also the very real story of of joan who's Who represents, I guess, um, uh, women and how we're taught about love and all of that. So all of that has meaning personally to me. And that might be my favorite thing about working on this comic.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so like you're touching on there, and I threw you in the deep end on, <laughs> on the book, but in terms of what it is, for readers who aren't familiar, Love Everlasting, and, I, and I, keep wanting to call it, I keep wanting to call it Everlasting Love, so apologies if I mix it up. I think it's that song, you know, Everlasting Love. <laughs> I, keep,
1: <laughs> I keep doing that.
0: <laughs> um, but so Love Everlasting is, yeah, it's like it's playing with the history and the legacy of romance comics, which were absolutely enormous, you know, 40s, 50s, 60s, even into the 70s, um if you read you know your your classic Curry and and simon right that's a big part like that's a big genre that they launched and then it's definitely this thing that has fallen to the wayside um when so you you reached out to tom king who obviously is a big presence in comics about working together um before we kind of get into the love everlasting process which definitely want to connect on here and and keep talking about the substack work and all all of what's going on there Mm -hmm. like what what inspired you about like what were some of the works that you were like i have to work with this writer and kind of what did you anticipate the project might look like? Like what was your vision for that?
1: Oh, um, so I connected with Tom's work uh, back when Sheriff of Babylon came out. So a while ago when he was actually starting out, I think it it might've been one of his first books with the, with Vertigo. Um, And I always felt like, you know, he had very distinct voice and I kept following his work throughout, you know, his DC and Marvel work and all that. But I didn't know him personally. And so I hesitated, you know, reaching out. I didn't know if he, he would be interested in doing creator-owned comics because he'd never done one. I thought maybe no. he's, you know, very comfortable at DC. He's not uh, really into the whole creator-owned um, idea, but he actually was. It's just no one I'd ever asked uh, him before, which was mm. very surprising to me. Um, but yeah, and and when it comes to why working with Tom. Okay, I'm going to be very honest. It was a two, you know, there was two level to that decisions, To that decision, sorry. First of all, like I said, I liked his work a lot. And there is also sort of a strategic uh, thinking behind it. Creator-owned yeah. comics um, as a way to produce comics are hard to sell, as we all know. And it's, uh, you know, independent comics sell less. Or, there are a few exceptions, but they sell less than mainstream superhero comics. And so partnering up with someone who has a huge audience already kind of is um, the easiest way to just cut through the noise. Right. Yeah. So it, it was part of that decision was motivated by the fact that Tom was a huge presence in comics. In addition yeah. to him being very talented.
0: <laughs> right, right. No, that totally makes sense, and that I mean that's definitely something that I've seen in your work, um, but also just in your presence now. Like you seem uniquely attuned to the business aspects of marketing yourself as a comics creator. You know, so if, if for people who are less familiar with your stuff, you know, you're, you're launching all these Kickstarter projects for for Inktober and these various you know prints and works that you're doing. um You have a substantial Patreon presence, and then your YouTube channel where you're doing uh, case study breakdowns is one of my absolute favorite things in comics over the last like year plus that you've been doing it on some really really cool work there in terms of showing the craft but it's all a part of this profile you've built now right in terms of marketing yourself as a comics creator so yeah i don't think there's anything wrong with you being so transparent about like yeah there's a strategic aspect to this Um, it's hard to cut through the noise
1: absolutely and i think when you want um as bad as i do want to remain independent you have to like think really hard about how to make your presence known, how to be smart about marketing, and I'm not as good as, <laughs> as I would like to be. So that's why maybe it seems like I'm all over the place, because I try things and see what sticks, you know? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and, and you know, one of the things that I learned working on November is that doing a very indie book because november was its own kind of indie book it's the it's Mm -hmm. it's not an easy book to read Uh, it's a series of graphic novels and um you know you not only want to surround yourself with creators that are more known than you are but also the kind of projects that you pick have you know a a big um matters of course a lot you know the, yeah. the i mean i'm 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 not trying to make any sense here but yeah i think you have to be smart about everything that you're doing especially since everything takes a lot of time and mm-hmm. our time resources are you know scarce
0: <laughs> yeah oh absolutely no it makes a lot of sense so you reach out to to tom you've been you've been kind of prepping possibly working together on a project for a while um one thing that was shared via the substack which launched again this past week was the pitch document and when tom pinched pitch romance comics <laughs> what was your reaction like do you have a do you have a history do you have a fandom with the medium um how did you how did you react to that uh
1: i have no history with the with romance comics yeah. uh if anything i wouldn't be especially <laughs> Uh, attracted attracted to the genre <laughs> for, mm-hmm. for obvious reasons i guess um i was curious i didn't i actually didn't see it as a romance comics because i read the whole pitch and i knew that it it was a play on romance comics yeah you know it's romance slash uh psychological horror so mm-hmm. if he if he told me we're gonna do romance comics i might have been like I don't know <laughs> but since i knew that it was um not much more because romance comics you know are self-sufficient but it it was a, a, there's it's romance with a twist i was totally on board from from day one
0: yeah yeah for sure no that makes sense um i mean it, i think that's the thing is because even in you know your, your past creator own works like um like infinite loop for probably most most notoriously like that's a romance comic of sorts, right? they like it's a love story, it, yeah. um, But it's but it's modernized, you know.
1: Yes, it's it's uh, romance uh, slash uh, sci-fi.
0: Yeah, and what mm-hmm. we're
1: doing yeah, here with is travel. romance horror. I it's funny. I had never thought about it before before starting po- uh, pointing it out to me. I guess I surround myself with writers who love love.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, it's a topic, and it's a topic that I think you know. If you if you look through. Tom King's work, like ironically, like it's something where he's exploring in a lot of depth and like, I think it's
1: very romantic.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Sure. So, okay. So you had, I think very ambitious descriptions of love everlasting that I've seen in the, the promos for this. Uh Um, you know, I've seen you say like kind of what Sandman is to horror. Um, you know, Tom says what Watchmen was to superheroes, walking dead to zombies, you know, that's kind of what you want this book to be for, for the, the genre, the idea. That platonic ideal of romance comics—is this the most confident you've ever felt about a book you've been working on?
1: Um, probably, and a lot of it is due to the Substack launch itself, mm. which you know the whole event because we launched amidst another you know wave of creators on there, and new projects being announced. So of course there were there was sort of a, a highlight on on our project launching, and a lot of people read it. A lot of people subscribed to the sub so Of course, I feel like, okay, this is a, a good first step. We'll see how yeah. it tr- translates, you know, in print or just in the future. Because the episodes are going to remain free. Every month, the issue is going to stay free. At least for the first arc. But yeah, I do feel, I felt very confident about the work that we had done. Uh, it it was confirmed to me when people started really subscribing, and then now we're a few days past launch, and it's been nothing but really good feedback from readers. Yeah. So yeah, I would say I'm very confident.
0: Awesome, awesome. Yeah. And I mean, I'm not. What, and I'm not
1: always. Them. I'm not always. I'm being very <laughs> honest here. Sometimes, like, I'm yeah. very proud of the work we've done, but I don't know how is this, how this is gonna go.
0: <laughs> Do you think um is so the it, it, I'll back it up. One of the big criticisms of, of comics creators jumping to the first wave of Substack was the absence of comics to read, right? Like there was this push and then it was like, yeah. Oh, okay. But like, where are the comics? Um, you know, and, and you've been working on love everlasting for like a year, I think from, uh-huh. from previous interviews I've seen. Um, so the launch coincided with the first issues just available right away for free. And and this promise of the issues are going to continue to come out almost the traditional comics model monthly. Right. But they can continue to be free um, a la like a webcomic that's that seems like a, a pretty smart strategic reaction in my book uh has clearly that has allowed more eyes on the book i would imagine um how has the experience been of being able to get that feedback so quickly like launch like announcement book everyone can just get it like how different has that been for you
1: well ah. Uh... Very different, as you can imagine. Uh, you know how comics work. You have the preview catalogs, and then you have the pre-orders, and then you have to wait for three months for the book to come out. And then <laughs> so, of course, when you work digitally, it 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 all goes so much faster. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was I felt a very you know weird uh, during that launch day, almost like um, anesthetized. Is that a word? It it was so much. It was a mm. lot really quickly, really fast. It took me a few yeah. days to really, like, it dawned on me. Oh, we, it's finally out. Because I've been working on this since, like, January last year. So it's,
2: sure, sure, it's been right. a while.
1: And I couldn't show anything of what, what I was working on, couldn't say anything about it. Uh, it was... Uh, very intense and it's just a completely different experience than, you know, having people going out to the store and pitting, picking your book and sending you pictures with the book in their hands. It's it's okay. it's um, The fact that it's digital is uh, additionally surreal in itself because there's no object for people to hold.
0: Yeah, right.
1: Um, yeah. But I do, I do like, you know, I don't think something like that I, I have not been done before not only the the launch on the subsack, but the having a book for free you know the free mm-hmm. books that you get will will be you know previews or stuff that uh is going to come out on a different form later on you know a short stories stuff like that but no one has ever launched i i think like a, an ongoing series for free and so in yeah, that sense yeah i mean the sense, closest thing i
0: can think of is um Brian Caveon and Marcus Martin with Panel Syndicate, where it was pay what you want, right? Yeah. That when that model was popular. But it's not, so you could get it for free, right? But it's not like exactly the same. Yeah,
1: thing. It, would, it wouldn't have been great to get it for free. You know, you want to pay them. Uh, oh, whereas here, we've, we've been paid already. So it's not like you're stealing or, or, or anything. We want you to get yeah, it yeah. for free and pay for addition, you know, perks if you want to. Um, and the, the the difference with Panel Syndicate is that our book is going to come out on a monthly schedule Mm -hmm. just like it would if it were a paying book.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Which is exciting. I mean, definitely like I'm, if this had been released um, in print, I would Mm -hmm. have been very interested because I like both of your work. Um, I don't know that it would have been a day one. I'm going to read this the second it comes out. Same experience Mm -hmm. for me. Right. Like I would have gotten to it as, 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 as issues became available, Um, but probably more slowly as opposed to like, Oh this is free I'm doing I'm doing this right now right, right, yeah. <laughs> there's, like, there's,
1: you know it, it creates a momentum, not only the fact that it's free but the fact that there's a big news surrounding the fact that it's free you know it creates mm-hmm. a whole uh, publicity in itself. Um, and I think it's great especially for that book because when people read Roman's comic, they might be like,, eh, this is not for me. Mm-hmm. you know there's a kind of a, a barrier to entry with certain genres but here it's like it's not a romance comic and trust me you can download it and and read it for free uh yeah. whereas you know asking someone to trust you and having to buy a book is a whole other you know level here you can just say trust me download this and read it right now and and in 30 minutes we can talk about it if you want no
0: <laughs> yeah exactly no, so exactly. it made
1: it well, much more accessible to everyone
0: yeah definitely well and i think just like narratively and i'll I'll avoid spoilers here but you know suffice to say given given the reputation that both of you have as creators i anticipated like okay there's going to be a hook here right like there's going to be something beyond just sort of replicating these old tropes of, Uh of romance comics right and that that becomes more and more apparent as the issue plays out which by the end of it it's like oh okay yeah like you said like it's psychological horror like there's a hmm. there's a hook to this there's a a twist to this of sorts um that will continue to be interesting so that getting to explore and, and experience that first is definitely um is definitely useful <laughs> yeah. for, for keeping and people's attention
1: what we want to do here is like take romance comics and look at the potential and limitations of this genre and um you know it's this it's hard not to spoil because, you know, if you give away the concept you kind of spoil spoil um, issue one entirely. Mm-hmm. But this it's it's a mystery about a woman learning she's living one lie after another. So make of that what you what you will and give that first issue a, a chance and it will make sense once you get to like half or you know, a third into it. You'll understand why we're we're saying that we're taking romance comics and Throwing that on on its head.
0: Yeah, yeah. Are, so you're you're about, I, I saw on Instagram, you're inking issue five recently. <laughs> um, so, it, you know, it seems like everything you've, you've been saying is like, this is an ongoing, like it's going to keep going for a sustained period of time, certainly is the hope. Um, is there a point so far in the story that you think is like a crucial turning point through the first five issues? Like, are, is there one that you're telling people like, okay, wait till you see issue three or something like that?
1: I would say wait until you you read issue three because I'm especially proud of uh, what we've done. Not not necessarily in terms of the story, but I feel like you know it it always takes a few issues to really get into the rhythm. The the you know the letter, finding its its voice for this comic. The colorist um, Matt Hollingsworth doing the same. So I think we're really coming together. Uh, you know issue three it really starts to to vibe but in terms of the story um obviously we have a big cliffhanger in in issue five which is going to be the the end of the first arc okay but every issue kind of gives you an additional piece of the puzzle and kind of moves joan or main character towards figuring out what's happening
0: yeah yeah. Okay, cool. No, it's, it's good. So so you have the Substack launch. Um, so Love Everlasting comes out. It coincides with, you know, your partnership with Tom King and the Substack. And every month there's going to be a new issue, but also like there's a Substack enterprise here, which is Everlasting Productions, um, which again, we'll, we'll link to this for people who want to give us a look and see if they want to subscribe. Um, there's a free tier, but then of course there's going to be paid tiers for whatever bonuses you all plan to include. Mm-hmm. Um Is the plan for everything to be focused like on this one book Uh, or do you see everlasting productions becoming bigger than that Um, or just too early to tell you'll, you'll, you'll see.
1: Um, So we want this to be a platform that is going to last for years. Ideally right now, the only comic uh, that we can produce together is love everlasting. So most of our content on there is going to be connected to that. Whether it's you know um, scripts or pitch like we like we um, we sent a few days ago, and you know videos about me inking and the process of putting a page together, all of that you know uh, process stuff that we know. But in addition to that, uh, Tom's gonna um, for the first time release his scripts for you know Batman, for example. In a few days, if you subscribe, you'll get the script for Batman issue one which I think is incredible to have that public for people. So the core of it is going to be love everlasting, but we're going to, you know, um, have our own post. I will have stuff about the process of, you know, figuring out storytelling for for, for a book, probably some stuff related to my YouTube channel, and Tom will have his own stuff, you know. Right now, we're still, you know, figuring out exactly what we want to do on there, and what people respond to, which I think is the most important thing. You can go out with a plan, but then you have to be aware of what people respond to, what's the engagement, all of that. Yeah. So most of it is going to be um, Love Everlasting-centric for now.
0: Sure, sure. No, That makes sense. Um, yeah, is it is it challenging for you to separate sort of the various platforms, like things that you want to keep for just YouTube versus things that are Patreon versus things that are Substack, Like, I'm, I'm sure it's a work in progress, but like, or do you feel like I have so many extra things that I know can go exclusive for paid subscribers here? Like, is that not that hard to figure out?
1: It's a, no, it's a bit of a headache. And <laughs> <Yeah. completely> <laughs> I'm, I'm yeah. figuring stuff out, uh, you know, the Patreon has been live for a year, almost a year now and so uh-huh. now I, I have a better understanding of what works on there and mostly it's about the mini print club that i you know that i have people subscribe that monthly uh, they get monthly mini prints delivered in their mailboxes so that's yeah. the the core of the patreon which supports financially our youtube channel the youtube channel is very a uh, deep dive into storytelling the craft of comics and it's really long form stuff it takes me a while to write, uh, because a lot of the work is me having to understand certain concepts and then trying to explain them <laughs> to our yeah. audience. So that's very specific to YouTube and is going is not going to be you know available anywhere else. And for subside, I'm thinking something in between, you know, like a, a concrete, practical stuff about me drawing inking love everlasting whereas the youtube channel for example is much more you know generally comics my understanding of it and and you know looking at other people's work whereas the Substack is going to be more looking into my work
0: sure sure i i do think so like as someone who creates content on youtube you know with comic book herald um i don't know how appealing this would be to the Substack audience but i i think too like those videos are so well put together. And like you said, like you clearly put a ton of time in, or what looks like a ton of time. Maybe it's, maybe it's not too much. No, no, it um, is. Into, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Into like actually breaking down, like it's very masterful sort of breaking down, you know, stuff like a a scene in Jurassic Park or Blade Runner or, you know, David Aha's work on, on Hawkeye, right? Like these really cool breakdowns. I, I do think there could be value even just in like the process of how to do that. Cause I do think that's an underdeveloped you're ahead of the curve, I think for comics creators on how to utilize YouTube as a platform. Um, but I, I, I think that it's definitely like as somebody who tries to do something similar uh, it's, it's very interesting to see like how, how quickly you launched into that with a fully formed picture of what uh, you wanted well- it to be.
1: Uh, so first of all, I would be you know remiss if I didn't mention my partner on this, um, Pierrick Collinet. You know, I write yeah. the stuff, but he films it, produces it, uh, edits it. <laughs> Everything, you know, that is not writing, he does it. So that mm-hmm. may be why we're kind of the only one being able to do that, because there's two of us, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know. And uh, n- I don't know, n- professional comic book artist could, have you know the 20 hours that it takes to put together a YouTube video. whereas yeah, right. I write for a couple of hours, three hours sometimes and then it's an hour to shoot and then you know I can go back to drawing comics. When yep. it comes to you, you know having the, the concept and the videos and what we do on there kind of fleshed out from the beginning, it's only because we didn't publish the earlier versions of those videos you know that were not uh not there
2: sure Uh, so we filmed
1: filmed them edited them it didn't work started over until we felt satisfied with it Mm. but it's true that i think we haven't derived that much from the original idea of what we wanted to do because there is like you say there is a space for that Mm
0: -hmm.
1: so i Mm -hmm. felt like we were not stepping on anyone's toes by launching
0: yeah, no, I think that's been one of the the nice appeals of it is it does feel unique. It feels, yeah, like you've definitely carved out um, a space to really appreciate, I think, the thinking that goes into storytelling, um, which is definitely has made me appreciate uh, not just your work, but other but other works as well. What what are some of the biggest things you've learned doing the YouTube series? Like as you're blocking these and, and breaking down the information flow, um, are there particular moments or tricks or things that you've like really pulled forward into your own work?
1: Um, so I, I learned a, a lot, that's for sure, because the moment that you, or at least for me, uh, take the time to really analyze something is where I think you can take your craft forward. Mm-hmm. It's it's hard though to really pinpoint on something that, oh oh, I learned that at that mm-hmm. moment and now I can use it. I think it's a broader, yeah. less less defined process. Um, but, well, I have one example uh, on the, um, the case study that we did on Deadly Class. I'm thinking of, you know, Wes mm-hmm. Greg's work. He, um, he had this page and he used, you know, um, rules of graphic design to mm-hmm. lay out the panels. And it was a revelation for me to really realize that, oh, you you can you can use um knowledge from other visual medium to apply to comics. Mm. So he's done it like fantastically well. And that was like a, 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 a really imp- key moments to me. It's like, oh we, we can look outside of comics and bring in uh, whatever we find you know interesting or useful and and kind of translate it into the language of of comics. So sure. that's one thing, and another is just I have a renewed and respect for what we do as comic book artists. And I feel like I have to be better <laughs> when i when I start drawing an issue, okay, i I know that in in some way, this page can be better. How can I make it better? because i've I've now analyzed a lot of pages from different artists, and I know that. Uh, there is there are so many possibilities with comics that I can't not just keep doing the same stuff that I usually do,
0: yeah, yeah. well, I think that I think that desire to better yourself and the ambition to have every page be the best it can be, like that shows in the work, right? And it's something that I think was very clear throughout November. you know, just do for yourself as an artist, like it's an extremely ambitious work. Um, so November for people who aren't familiar is a, a series of four novellas, right? It's, it's but they're all interconnected and kind of build to one cohesive story by the end of it. Um, you're working there with Matt Fraction, Matt Hollingsworth, um, uh, I think Kurt Ann Kenney on letters. Yeah. What on November like what pushed you the most out of your comfort zone? Like what was the the hardest part of that?
1: Um. So the the storytelling in itself and the panel breakdown was done by Matt because it followed very strict, rigid, almost mathematical structure. Mm-hmm. So it was interesting because I didn't, you know, the panel sizes were in the script, which was the first time oh, that okay. i worked that way. It was, um, I felt maybe at first that it would be restrictive for me. Yeah. But actually it allowed me more time. You know, I did that time. I didn't have to figure that out. I could put somewhere else and I used to rethink how to arrange elements inside panels. So that was pretty pretty new to figure out because, because the, the panels are so rigid and we have a lot of panels per page right. for nine issues, I... I knew, you know, from the get-go that I would have to be inventive. Otherwise the book would be like kind of one one note. So yeah. that was the, the big the biggest, you know, um my biggest challenge for that book. The other one was to um, give justice to the incredible characters that Matt had created. You know, on paper you read the script. You know, comic book scripts are kind of boring in a way, most of the time, because you really have, it's only half, you really have to, to to see the the visuals to get the full picture. Yeah. But the the dialogue on that, on those scripts was so incredible that, uh, that my second challenge was, I have to make sure that these people come across on the page as lively and unique and as they do on the script. Does that make sense? So that was, it I felt yeah. like such a huge responsibility not to fuck that up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah, because its I, I think maybe part of the challenge, definitely part of the challenge that I had as a reader was early, it's the story is fragmented, mm-hmm. right? The story is fragmented and fractured. So you have these characters that are developing, but it's hard to get a feel for them because of the way that narrative is, it doesn't really coalesce until you get deeper into the book, at which time then the characters obviously all eventually come together. Um, so yeah, it is It is important to establish who they are, right? And why we care about them, um, especially early because it's it's harder to get a feel for like, okay, what's actually happening here? How are these stories related? Yeah. The, you know? These
1: characters are the, uh, at least in the first volume, are the only thing that you can hold on to. Mm-hmm.
0: The rest mm-hmm. is all
1: fragmented, like you said.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's effective. So that's interesting that, that you mentioned. So the panel layouts were all, you know, prescribed essentially um, within the script. Because one thing I noticed, one thing I really like about November is there's a lot of these really thin vertical
2: yeah.
0: uh, panels that are used exclusively like for captions, right? So whereas I think traditionally, like in comics, we'd see the captions, you know, maybe in a, a square text overlaid over some of the art, they're like their own panel block a lot of times. And yeah. I actually really like that. That's something I saw carry over into Love Everlasting. Was that you pulling intentionally in from from November to Love Everlasting? Or is it just a coincidence?
1: Oh no! It's there is a reason, but it's not that it's not that oh. way. Um, the reason for you know having captions uh, acting almost as, as individual panels was that when we started Love Everlasting, I came across actually it, it's a it's a collector that buys some of my art who sent me an email saying, "Oh, there are some Toth's page uh, available on that website. It's romance." And so I went on there and I found this beautiful page from a romance comics that Alex Todd um, had Mm. done. And I got it. I bought it. It's incredible. And he does that, you know, those big captions um, acting as panels. And I figured, oh, this is lovely. This works beautifully. I'm going to use that for, for our first issue. So that's where it came from.
0: Oh, okay. That's awesome. So it's it's kind of an, an ode to the, the Oh history. yeah, well
1: definitely. I had that page uh, right next to me. I was like, I need to be to, to try to be at least ten percent as good as this page.
0: That's cool. I love that. Are are there any other artists or or work from those eras that you kind of like use as inspiration? Not really. Um, mm-hmm.
1: not really. Uh, I did use you know, I draw and drew inspiration from different um, comic book artists, you know, contemporary ones. Since, you know, the way that the book is structured, I can, you know, slightly alter my style for every issue.
0: Mm.
1: I took that chance because I think it's always fun to kind of bend your your style. So for issue four, for example, if you, you know, when it comes out, if you'll definitely see some some riso in there. The the way the panels are laid out, the way the faces are, so heavily influenced by riso. Um, but no, not not that much from from actual romance comics.
0: Hmm. Yeah, sure. No, that makes sense. Yeah, you want to you want to put your own spin and your own twist on it, right? And make it make it your I, own I think thing.
1: yeah, I might have been afraid to get too influenced, rather than trying to come up with a, my own version of what com- romance comics could be.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. I mean, because it definitely, I think as someone who has not read a lot of them, and I'm sure I am not unique in that <laughs> for readers who are reading, you know, have, have started reading comics in the 2000s. Um, it it feels like it captures an idea of romance comics mm. that I feel like a lot of us have in our head, whether it's through passing familiarity with the Kirby Simon stuff, whether it's, you know, those Roy Lichtenstein, you know, pop art, you know, art gallery things, right? Whatever it might be there's like an idea of what they might be. I feel like it captures that without actually being like, oh, you should really go read, um, you know, X, Y, and Z runs <laughs> from from the 1950s or anything like that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We try to, we, you know, there are those, um, I don't want to say gimmicks because that's reductive, but okay, let's go with gimmicks that you get in romance comics. You, you'll get this, uh, this, so most of the time, when you buy an issue of romance comics, it's going to be different stories inside that issue, and so yes. the the issues are, uh, you know, followed by um, a, a, a splash page with a title embedded in the art. It's right. it's you know hand lettered, uh, decorative. So we used that as a way to say, oh, at a glance, you can say that it oh this is a romance comics in some way. So we definitely use that. First, because it's it goes with the genre, and also because it's just so fun to work on. I, I'm yeah. having like an incredible time working on those spread uh, pages.
0: That's cool. They definitely stand out. I mean, it's a nice it's a nice breaking point of chapters. Um, it's where... super
1: tough because I have to come yeah. come up with the style for the logo, how to include it in the, in the spread. It's 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 almost illustrative work rather than storytelling.
0: Yeah. That's interesting because it is. Yeah, it's like a it's like a true change um, not to give away the game. But yeah, I mean, it, it has to feel like a new thing, uh-huh. uh, which is which was definitely captivating. Like the, the I'll say, like the first time it happens, there's kind of that moment as a reader where it like almost takes you out. and It's like, oh, OK, I got to start over again. Interesting. Um, and then the third time it happens, I'm like, oh, hell yeah, here we go. <laughs> <I'm> like, this, <laughs> this is totally fun. You know, like I'm immediately back in. So, yeah, it, it's it's good. Um, all right, cool. So I, I do want to ask getting back to November for a second are there any plans um, that you know of or that you'd like to see to release it all together? Because I do think one of the... It's a challenging work, you know, I, yeah. I think. I, and I think for a lot of readers, I think that maybe put them off initially. Um, are there any plans to sort of do it as a, as a mega collection because it reads really well together?
1: Um, it, it's challenging as four volumes, but the, the, the structure of the four volumes has you know makes sense and having everything all in one book would certainly be easier for, 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 for readers to get into yeah. but might you know betray a part of that structure so there's that I don't think Matt was like super hot about the idea and there's also the fact that it costs a lot of money to release a, a collected a big collected edition like that and 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 yeah as long as we still have a stock for the individual uh, issues, I don't think there is going to be plan for a collected edition.
0: Sure. Sure. No, that makes sense. Uh, yeah. Is that like, I mean, I would definitely recommend people give November a shake. Um, I, I think like we just,
1: issues. we at some, you know, in some level, we just have to accept the idea that we launched into a very challenging book.
2: Yeah, And sure. it's just and no it's matter cool, how right. we,
1: we try to, turn it, it's going to remain a very challenging book, but a rewarding one when you like really, it requires trust from readers. Definitely. Yeah. I'm sure we have a lot of people that read volume one and felt like Ugh, what the fuck is happening? And didn't follow mm-hmm. through with, with the next volumes, but that's where the story starts to make sense.
0: Yeah, right. Exactly. Well, and I think now that all four are available, I do think you'll have probably a wave of readers who through recommendations like this and other places are going to be like, you can, you can quickly bounce to volume two. Whereas if you're reading it for, yeah, yeah, yeah. you yeah, mm-hmm. have been like, okay, I got to wait for this. And uh, wait, what happened in volume one? I don't remember, you know, so it's just that traditional,
2: absolutely, yeah, absolutely.
0: you know, that's, that's familiar to comic readers for sure. Um, okay, cool. So I, I do want to ask you as well, like, so just, So you've got some really cool works out. And again, we'll link to all this in the show notes. Um, I'm really excited about Everlasting Love. I I think, you know, Substack is definitely, as an enterprise, I think is very interesting. It's very interesting to me. Like I launched a guide today on compocarol.com, which is a guide to Substack Comics. And it's all about like, what are these? How do you actually read them? What creators are involved? Like this is definitely a moment, I think, both for like creator freedoms, because on that level, it's incredible, you know, or it seems to be right. Everything that's reported is like, It's the best pay. It's the best creator rights. Like, all these things are great. Um, But then it's also, like, it's a totally new tech platform that comes with with its own baggage, you know? And, it like, so Substack as a whole, it's come under fire for reputation supporting, paying, and elevating, like, transphobic voices in journalism. Mm -hmm. How did you approach, like, these issues, like, the larger Substack issues? And and what would you say to those readers? Because it's complex, and I I think it's challenging.
1: It is definitely complex. And, you know, the just... The, the world in itself is complex, it's really hard to navigate those issues, definitely. Mm-hmm. What I what I will say is that a platform becomes what you make of it. You know, individually. Um, mm-hmm. That's at least how I feel about it. You know, of course the, the content that we put on there and I'm sure the comics that every uh, comic book creator that went on there is going to be progressive content and I would, uh, you know, for me, I would rather see as many comic book artists um, or creators having that progressive voice go on Substack and drown maybe the voices that are problematic. So that's how I see it in terms of, you know, the, what it offers to creators. It's incredible. It's 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 yeah. the best of both worlds. It's it's freedom. We get to uh, keep our uh, uh, IP. Which is you know, what I went into creator owned for in the first place to remain sole proprietor of, of my comics and my ideas. But we also get paid for it. Yeah. which of course gives us an additional freedom because let's not kid ourselves. Um, there's no freedom when you don't have any money. or it's mm-hmm. limited. Uh, here there, is no, there's, there are no limits to what we can do because we can pay people. We can pay ourselves. Uh, the the true, you know, thing is how long is it gonna last? You know, yeah. because you always have new startups getting excited about um, a certain media. They throw a ton of money at it, and then they don't follow up, or people lose mm-hmm. interest, and then it it all, it all goes away in like a couple of years. Mm-hmm. So it's up to us, the creators, to make sure that we make this into um, something that is a lasting, a new model for creators. And I think we do that by uh, providing and putting out good comics and good content that is going to make uh, people happy to subscribe and to keep to keep subscribing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, well said. I mean, I, I think with that I, I'm glad you touched on that because I think the there's a certain, I don't know if fear is the right word, but a trepidation that, okay, this is a new thing, and they're growing very quickly, and they're clearly trying to, they're doing the the corporate startup thing, right, of Mm-mm. boosting valuation, yeah. getting the, the dollars where they need to be. Comics are a part of that, but are but is this going to be a thing that exists in two years? I mean, so I don't need you to share the contract, but like, as far as you're concerned, if it does fall apart, does that matter? Like, do you feel comfortable in terms of Everlasting Productions or Everlasting Love can find a home and like you, you'll retain the rights to it regardless of where Substack goes. Oh, there, next. there
1: is no downside for creators, like none. Yeah. Uh, in in terms of you know contract or money wise or all of that, if if the whole thing falls apart, it doesn't change anything for us. I would mm-hmm. be you know it would be sad. I would think because it's a new and exciting way to connect with readers. But if we have to move the whole enterprise somewhere else, whether it's on Patreon or anywhere else, that's no problem at all. What yeah. Substack is giving us is a huge boost to get things going. A, a big momentum uh, yeah. to like, put a lot of content out there. And, and you know, <laughs> we're putting comic books out for free. That's insane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's you know, yeah. especially since comics are getting so expensive, it doesn't make sense, you know, economically as a as a passion. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, right. and and right now, thanks to what we're everyone's doing over there, you can have comics for free.
0: Yeah. And, and you can get and, away with it. Yep.
1: Absolutely. And like I said, it's up to us to make sure that there's no reason in itself that the platform goes away. If people keep, mm-hmm. you know, having an interest in it, we will stay up.
0: Yeah. No, it makes sense. I mean, yeah, it's on a on a what this does for creators like yourself level. Um, that piece of the puzzle seems truly like the best I've ever seen in in anything comics related. Of course. You know? Um, yeah, which is fantastic. So okay. Good good to know. Um, what are some other so like obviously the Substack movement is big and I'm sure you're paying attention to what other creators are doing, what they're offering, um, kind of what that is going, because you're going to shape it, right? It's kind of a, clearly with all these, they're so new that there's a level, there's a learning curve mm-hmm. to to building out, okay, what does this actually look like? How do we interact with our fan base and, and give them things that they're actually looking for? Um, who are some of the creators that you kind of look to for inspiration or uh, some areas of kind of where you think comics are going next in terms of connecting, because you seem, again, like pretty uniquely attuned to like how to market and get your comics out there in people's hands.
1: On Substack, you mean the creators are on Substack or not necessarily?
0: Uh, anywhere, really, yeah.
1: I'm not as attuned to what is going on as you <laughs> might think. I do follow Substack <laughs> creators because I was, you know, originally we were supposed to launch with the first wave, Uh, we decided that it was best for for us to keep uh, add more issues before we launch.
2: Mm, So
1: since they launched, I I kept an eye on that, obviously, because I wanted to know how it was going, what seems to be working, the frequency of posts, what was on their posts, uh, just to know, first of all, what appealed to me as a reader and then try, try to extrapolate that to see what we could do uh as i'm sure every subset creator has done <laughs> mm-hmm. um but in terms of looking out to what other people are doing uh i i don't think i do that as much as i w- should <laughs> sure it's um, hard thing to do
0: yeah i mean it's a it's a landscape study it takes time you know yeah. uh,
1: definitely i used to do that maybe a lot more and then i th- i think it's it's more nowadays more about what I like to do, what I feel like doing, or allow you know um, um, spend my time doing, rather than what everyone else is doing. Sure. We Which should. is not to say it wouldn't be better to do it the other way. It's just I I can't find the time. I don't really like being online
2: yeah <laughs> which fair. is yeah. you know,
1: like so weird because uh, my work is now a hundred percent online. Uh-huh. all I do is uh-huh. putting stuff online
0: it's an it's a necessary evil when you want to be out there, right? You know, oh, and right. I mean, that's the thing, like so as I've so like I've done YouTube like basically throughout the pandemic, and it's one of those things where it's like the highs are great. like ninety five percent of like audience feedback is awesome. It's engaging with comic oh, fans. Right. I love it. but then you get the five percent of garbage. And it's like, why am I here? You know, like, have you run into any of that where you're like, like Of just course. Like,
1: not, yeah. not a lot, to be really honest. I was surprised. I was expecting a lot of people coming on YouTube comments and kind of, you know, trashing what we were doing. I was afraid, uh, you know, being a woman uh, talking about comics, yeah. that I would get that. Not a lot. And the few I That's got, good. I just ignored, you know. It doesn't, right. surprisingly, it doesn't touch me that much.
0: Good, good, no, it's because I, mean, it I know it's I,
1: disingenuous. Uh-huh, you know, I uh-huh. will get hurt a lot more by a very um, honest bad review that will probably like keep me up <laughs> for a few days, but someone's just saying trash, I just, <sighs> I don't signify that, yeah, it's easy to mm-hmm. just, move past that,
0: yeah, yeah, good, good. Uh, okay, let's let's change gears a little bit. In your coverage of Deadly Class, you talk about that book as one of your favorites of all time. What are some of your other favorite comic books of all time?
1: Oh, uh, so obviously, Kelly's work. Mm-hmm. I especially a- adore Asterius Polyp. Okay, yeah. Uh, I- I'm turning to my, you know... Uh, to my Check shelves, shelf, yeah. yeah, because <laughs> I, I have so many favorites, I, I forget half of them at the time. time. Um, the Parker series, obviously, was a, like a big, big... The Darwin big, Cook yeah, Parker, you said? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually got it in the I don't, uh, Martini editions, you know, the big the big ones. Nice, yeah. So every everything Darwin Cook ever put out is on my list of favorites. Yep. Um... I I like a lot of different stuff. I I also read a lot of um, what you would consider more indie graphic novels that don't come out in the direct market. Sure. I have have a lot of favorites there uh, as well. What do I have? Uh, Yeah, uh, let me look. A Watchman, obviously. Uh, There's a. I have a favorite. I think it came out in the states, but originally it was published in France. Uh, Tyler Cross. Have you heard about that series?
0: Tyler Cross. Yeah. No. It's a
1: fantastic series. I think they have three or four volumes out. Okay. The art is incredible. It's completely unique. Like you can spot it a mile away. The scripts are great. It's a fantastic series. It's among my favorites.
0: I got to check that out. That sounds cool. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, great picks. Uh, love it. If you could collaborate with any creator in comic history, who would it be? Darwin Cook. Darwin Cook. Yeah. Oh yeah, this I get,
1: is I, I know it's very, you know, it's a selfish way to look at this <laughs> at his death, but damn it. I would yeah. have loved to work with him.
2: Yeah. I sure. know it yeah. was
1: it would probably have been tough because he was a tough mentor, so I've heard. But mm-hmm the you know the, the knowledge that he could have i could have benefited from would have been enormous
0: yeah yeah that's interesting uh so you've got some cool workout. we're gonna link to all this we got november we got a uh, love everlasting obviously is the, is the biggest thing right now that people can check out coming out on on an issue by issue month by month basis um sounds like you know the first arc is nearing completion so like you know the first yep. five issues are pretty much locked in uh is there anything else that's next for you? Like this is a big one; <laughs> it's going to be most of your time. Is there other stuff on the horizon?
1: Uh, we're we're planning thirty to thirty-five issues for Love Everlasting, so it's going to be a while. Yeah. Um, okay. Obviously, it's going to depend on on, on it, whether people keep reading it, of course. But that's the plan, yeah. at least. I have. Um, so I have this Inktober graphic novel that uh, Pierre. And I did Pierre, who's doing the YouTube channel with me. Um, it's it's going to come out. It's going to be available on on a, on a store in like a month or so. So that's already done. And I have just like literally two days ago, I started working on my solo graphic novel. Uh, yeah, first time. I, I'm I, yeah, I, I started <laughs> after having you know that idea in mind for a while. I just I've got to start at some point. So. It's, That's it's, exciting. I think it, it, if it ever happens, it it would be my first time writing, a hundred percent, you know, for myself. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be years because I have basically thirty minutes a day to work on this.
0: <laughs> yeah. The projects you've done in the past, um, where you've written, have you been the? I guess like there's an issue of Infinite Loop where you're co-writing and, and drawing. Maybe is there other stuff where you've written and drawn, you know, entirely uh, for yourself? I
1: I co-wrote. Uh everything I yeah, I I had an involvement in writing was co-writing with Pierrick mm-hmm. because I, we mm-hmm. work really well together. Uh a lot of most of the Star Wars stuff that we did together. We did um many issues for ITW. Right. We co wrote, but I never uh did it just, you know, for myself. Coming up with the story myself and just being um solely on the writing.
0: Yeah. So, that, so that's so that's new. That is right? terrifying. That, yeah. That's big. Are you are you gonna try and do everything? Like are you coloring, lettering the whole the whole thing?
1: Uh probably not coloring. Um, maybe lettering. I just lettered orange Graphic novel. I lettered that and it was like yeah. forty two pages, so it was very short. Yeah. It was an uh, enormous task. Oh yeah. <laughs> but I, I really liked that. So we'll see. Maybe. That would be fun. But like I I said, this thing is like years down the line.
0: Sure, sure. TBD on a a name (laughs) and an announcement. Cool. Well, we'll look forward to that for sure. Um, So you mentioned something a moment ago that I want to come back to uh, in terms of like how Love Everlasting is doing. Um, It's early days, obviously, like you're just getting launched. But like, do you have like good like analytics in terms of like that let you understand, you know, what is successful and what isn't? I haven't really heard people talk about like Substack's analytics capabilities.
1: Uh, well, they have the, you know, the, 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 analytics that you might expect for platforms like that, and comments, mm-hmm. of visitors, uh, open rate of emails because Substack yep. is essentially a newsletter system.
2: Yep.
1: It's too early for us to say everything is biased right now because people are just curious and it, we're just getting started or conversion, conversion, sorry, conversion rate is really good. Mm-hmm. But again, it's completely biased at first we'll have to wait you know have more posts out and kind of the to when the enthusiasm is kind of gone down a little we'll be able to see then Uh, yeah
2: yeah uh, that's
1: that in itself is the whole thing if you want to get into analytics you have to set uh time aside (laughs) for that (laughs) time which i don't think we have so i think we'll just do what feels right for us stay tuned to what people like of course but
0: yeah yeah sure sure and it'll follow okay cool all right final question for you uh what are you reading right now that you'd recommend in between in all your free time (laughs) is there anything good comics or otherwise
1: uh i just got yesterday i got saga the Indian, the first one, because I I haven't read Saga yet. Oh, yeah, okay. I was keeping that. Actually, it's on Patreon. I, I put out. Okay, I haven't bought comics in like a month. Uh, I I read a lot of uh, novels. I've been working my way up through the Pulitzer Prize list for, for a year. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I asked for recommendations and someone's like, saga. I was like, oh, duh, of course, saga. <laughs> but I haven't started. And <laughs> it it, 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 he was like, come on, come on, go give it a chance and start. I was like, okay. So I got the compendium. I'm going to start that, you know, maybe tomorrow. And I got in by, I think it Will McPhail. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I had that on my list for a while, and I finally, you know, bought it. So I have very high expectations, <laughs> which I'm awesome. sure it will, you know, fulfill.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. No, that's a cool graphic novel. Uh, yeah, saga's saga is uh, as as you know as advertised. <laughs> I'm yeah, sure yeah, I know,
1: right I know. Now. It 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 feels kind of this huge book feels a bit daunting. Mm. I'll work at it, you know, little by little.
0: I do think that's one of the the gifts of of BKV at this point. Is it it reads pretty quickly. It is not dense. Mm. Um, there's like there's meat on the bones for sure, mm-hmm. but it 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 flies. I think so. Maybe you'll find otherwise, but that that's been my
1: experience. Cool, cool. I'm I'm looking forward to starting.
0: Awesome. All right. Cool. Well, also this has been great. Um, again, I, I really appreciate you taking the time. We'll include links to all the work here in the show notes where people can check it out um, and where people can find it from you. But yeah, is there anywhere else uh, that you'd want to promote to make sure people can find your work?
1: Oh my God, I think we've talked about everything. Okay, good. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, if you're you're curious, I would encourage you to uh, check out our first issue of Love Everlasting, which again is free. And on Substack, we have a lot of physical rewards for people interested in physical exclusive variant covers. We have you covered. So, yeah, I would, I would encourage you to to check that out. And thank you Perfect. so much, Dave, for, for having me over.
0: Yeah, it was a pleasure. Absolutely. So people can find my stuff at comicbookherald.com. Otherwise, also, thanks so much for joining. And, uh, yeah, we'll be back uh, in a couple of weeks with the next creator interview. But thank thanks you. for your time.
1: Thanks.